Amen. Isaiah 56, just those two verses there, verses 6 and 7. When you get to Isaiah 56, if you'd like to stand with me tonight, just for the reading of God's word, Isaiah 56, and then verses 6 and 7. Once you get there, if you just stand, and then uh, we'll read God's word. Amen. Isaiah 56 and verse 6. Praise the Lord. All the crash can go. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 56 and verse 6. Once you get there, Amen. I think everybody's there now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And you may take your seats. Praise the Lord. Father, tonight we pray that you would speak into our hearts afresh. That you, Lord, would come by your power, even as we have sang those great songs tonight. That you, by the wind of your spirit, would blow into this house tonight. Not by might, nor by power, but by thy spirit. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that... Oh God, tonight you would do a work that only you can do, Lord. Lord, that's a supernatural work. Lord, that you would come into this house, you know, every need in this house, you know, every life in this house. You hear every cry from every heart in this house. You see every broken life. Lord, you see every sick body. Lord, you see every troubled mind. Lord, tonight we pray, Lord, this is your house. So Lord, would you come and dwell. And Lord, do what only you can do. And we'll be careful to give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We've been looking over these Sunday nights at this house of prayer. That's God's house. And it's not so much we know the building, the brickwork, the windows or the spire or whatever that may be. The house that God has built is a house that consists of people. And people who have been wonderfully saved and they've been brought out of darkness, out of the world. And they've been brought into his house to become those living stones. And here the prophet Isaiah, 700 years or so before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, talks about a day that there would be a house. And in this house, there'd be a place where it would be a place of joy. There'd be a place where the stranger can come and lay hold of the covenant that God has made through Jesus Christ. And they can find that joy in place of sorrow. They can come into the house and God would accept them. To be accepted before a holy God is an awesome thing because we know every one of us are born as sinners without hope in this world. And yet in the mercy of God, he came and he saves us and we're reconciled through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he brings us into a spiritual habitation, a house the house that we're talking tonight is not this lovely building that the Lord has blessed us with, but the house is a spiritual house. Men and women from every type of background, young and old, male and female, from every creed, from every color, from every language, but who come to Jesus Christ are saved by the grace of God, are born of the Spirit, and they come into the house of God. They make up that house. That's what's precious about the house of God. And here, <clears throat> the prophet Isaiah talks about the strangers. And we, we looked at it. I just want to recap on it. Just that the strangers would be brought in. You know, religion hasn't got time 
uh, for the nobodies. Religion has no time for the those that haven't got really the finance or the look. Or religion is, is, is really man trying to reach God. But it's wonderful to know that the gospel, the gospel's for every man. It's for the rich and the poor and the nobodies. And thank God when he finds the nobodies, he makes them somebody in his, in his precious sight. And so we read in Ephesians 2, if you turn over, remember him, uh, these scriptures that we were looking at, that, that God is, is calling his people to remember who we were. We were strangers. In Ephesians 2 and verse 11, it says these words, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And verse 12 says that at a time, look what he says, that at a time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, having no hope and without God in this world. What a statement Paul makes. What what a reality that is to be outside of Christ. He causes the children of God to remember where we have came from. That we were a people that were without Christ. You know what's you know in this world, if you think about it for a moment, there's there's such a fearful world, such a troubled world as we heard this morning, such such turmoil in this world. And you know, there's many things that, that you can do without in this world, but there's one thing that you cannot do without, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, to die without Christ is an awful thing. To die without Christ in your heart. You know, you may die and you have plenty of friends or family and finance and money and everything else, but to die without Christ, what an awful thing. Not to know this Christ as, as death comes. You know, the Bible says it's appointed on the man once to die. And there is an after this. There is an afterlife. And after this, there's the judgment of God. But what a glorious thing it is to die and to have Christ in your heart. What a hope that we have as the children of God. And here he says, you were without Christ. You were strangers of the covenants of promise. You didn't know about what Christ has done for you on the cross. You didn't know that God sent his only begotten son into this world to die for you and to die for me. You didn't know of the great mercy and the love of God. You didn't know of the hope that he would give you and the peace that he would give you and the eternal life that he would give you. You were a stranger to that. You didn't know anything about it. But yet in the mercy of God, when he saved you, you were no longer a stranger, but you've been brought in. And now we have a hope and we have Christ in our hearts. And he says that he would bring us into a house. And in that house, he would make us joyful. He would make us joyful. Not as the joy that the world try to experience that is gone in a, in a couple of hours after they experience it. Not, not like the joy that so many wake up on a Sunday morning empty and pockets empty and hearts empty and heads sore. But a joy that this world can't give. That's a joy of the Lord. And in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2, he said these, these words, again, the same prophet, Isaiah 12 and 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust him. I will not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. And then it says this, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. To know the joy of the Lord, that is our strength. 
the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come as sing, singing, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Isn't it a wonderful thing to have the joy of the Lord? That is our strength tonight, brothers and sisters, to know this hope, to have the joy, knowing that our sins have been forgiven. Whatever's going to happen in this world, whatever storms are coming, but to have that peace of God in your heart and to have the knowledge of your joy, the knowledge of your sins forgiven. This is the joy of the Lord. And so this house is only possible. I want you to appreciate something tonight. Too often that we take some of these great truths for granted, but appreciate the privilege that it's possible tonight for you and I to come into the house of God, the house of prayer. And it says in our reading tonight, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted upon mine altar. That might seem like a strange thing for the prophet to say. Of course, we know he's referring in type to the Old Testament where men would make sacrifices upon the altar before they could approach a holy God. Everything had to be right. Everything had to be in order. Every T had to be crossed. Every I had to be dotted. Everything was in place. There could be nothing that was left to a flaw because if it was, because God is so holy that that man as he approached God would be struck dead instantly. And thank God we're not under that covenant but through Jesus Christ and the mercy of God, he met the standard of holiness for us. And we in his mercy can come to him. And it tells us of an altar. And it tells us of a house where there's sacrifices and offerings. I want us to appreciate or take the privilege, understand the privilege that we have tonight. That the house can only function and the house can only be here because of the sacrifice that was made for us. That supreme sacrifice. There is no other sacrifice. There is no other ultimate price that has been paid. Than the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross 2,000 years ago. No one suffered like this man. No one went through like this man went through for you and for me. The Son of God came into the world born of a virgin, lived a sinless and a spotless life. He healed the sick. He delivered the oppressed. He opened blinded eyes. He raised the dead. He unstopped the deafened ears. He healed the leper. He fed 5,000 with, with the loaves and the fish of a boy's lunch. He walked on the water. He bid the winds to cease and they ceased. He was the, the son of the living God, the eternal son. And he done all those wonderful things. But friends, 2,000 years ago, this man, Jesus, he went to an old rugged cross outside a city called Jerusalem. He came onto his own and his own received him not. The Jews rejected him and they took him outside that city, that city, that, that city wall and they led him to a place called Golgotha and they put our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creators of the heavens and the earth and the galaxies and the stars and the moon and the hills are created. God's son and they laid him on a cross they put nails through his hand nails in his feet a crown of thorns upon his head and they lifted him up a shameful figure for all the world to look at and to mock that's 
what Jesus did for you. And that's what Jesus did for me. And that sacrifice created the foundation for the house of prayer that we have tonight. It's not just another meeting. It's not just a Sunday night get together. It's not just a we sing along friends. But it's coming into a house. And the foundation of this house is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we can come. If you turn over to Hebrews 9, I'll show you in the book of Hebrews what we're talking about. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11 says these words, Hebrews 9 and 11. And stay just in the book of Hebrews for a moment. Hebrews 9 and 11 says these words, But Jesus Christ, being come a high priest of the good things to come, by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the new covenant, that by the means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. You read there in verse 14 that the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. This is the supreme sacrifice that has been made. The Bible tells us, I want you to just flick back to Hebrews 7 and 27, because this sacrifice is the one the once and the all supreme sufficient sacrifice. There's no other remedy for your sin tonight. Religion can't cleanse your sin. All religious acts can't cleanse your sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses a man from all sin. Yeah. Hebrews 7 and 27. It's important that we see this. For this he did. Would you say that word there? Once. Would you say the word once? Because this is the one and supreme sacrifice never to be repeated. And this is important to know this tonight. Because this, we're talking of the first coming of Christ. But you know the Bible tells us about a second coming. I'll come to that in a moment. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Look over into Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Hebrews 9 and verse 12. It says these words, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Go down in the same chapter to verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Look at verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. 
Go over into Hebrews 10 and verse 10. It says these words, Hebrews 10 and 10, By their which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. It says these words, once for all. Look at verse 12. But this man, what man? What man are we talking about tonight? We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're not talking about your denomination. We're not talking about Catholicism. We're not talking about the Pope. We're not talking about Mary. We're not talking about Buddha or, or Islam or Muhammad. We're not talking about all these men and women that were born and died and they're still dead today. But we're talking about a man called Jesus that who died on the cross and was buried. And the Bible tells us on the third day, he rose triumphant over the grave. This man, we're talking about this man. That's who we're talking about. We're not talking about a denomination. We're not talking about a church. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about all the stuff that's in this country and this land. We're talking about a man called Jesus tonight. We're talking about the son of the living God. We're talking about him that left the splendor of heaven. The eternal son of God that came into this sin cursed world. Why did he come? Why did he die on the cross? Why is our calendar set to the time that he died? Why is it that all roads point to that place called Jerusalem? Why is it that there was a man that we know historically and biblically correct tonight that hung on a cross 2,000 years ago and his name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth? This man... This man, men said we want nothing to do with him. They walked past that cross and they wagged their heads at him. The thief on the cross mocked him. They mocked him, but then one, one eye began to open and they seen that this was not just any man, but this was God's son. And he cried unto the Lord, Lord have mercy. And the Lord said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. This man we're talking about. We're not talking about any man. We're talking about Jesus Christ. And he said, this man, this man, after he had offered up one sacrifice for sins forever. What did he do? He praised the Lord. He sat down on the right hand of God. And friends, tonight, Jesus Christ You'll not find them in the tomb because the tomb's empty. And they can hang statues all over their chapels with Christ on the cross. But I tell you, he's not on the cross tonight, friends. I tell you where he is. The Bible says that he sat down. That means he finished the work. It's all over. The sacrifice has been made. The blood has been shed. This is the eternal blood. This is an everlasting sacrifice. And by the eternal spirit of God on the third day, he rose triumphant over the grave and over sin. He sat down. But friends, the Bible tells me, the Bible tells me that this same man, you know, in Acts chapter one, you know the story well. As they go out, and the disciples go out with them, and they come to the Mount of Olives. And as they gather at the Mount of Olives and the ascension of Christ, when Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven, and the disciples were standing gazing up, the angel said, why stand you here gazing up? What did he say? This same 
man. What man? The man Christ Jesus. This same man is going to come again. What that tells me is this, friends, that one day, and I believe it's very soon, I believe it could be tonight, but all the signs of the of the end of the age are all around. You know that we're well versed on it in this church. We hear it regularly. We know from scripture that we're living in the very last of the last days. We know when all the turmoil and the famine and the pestilence and all the turmoil of the, of the, of the earth and the nations not knowing where to turn. We know that the Lord has warned us and told us of these days. And he said, when you see these things, what's about to happen? What is about to happen when you see these things, when you watch them on your news, when you read them in your paper, when you hear it on your radio? Friends, it's old news concerning God's word because he's already spoken his word. But when you see these things, he said to look up. Why? Because your redemption is drawn very near. What does that mean, friends? You know, this man, this man who made that one sacrifice for sin forever. There's no other sacrifice for sin. There's no other way into heaven. There's no other door. One door and only one. And yet it's sides are two. Praise God tonight. You can open that door and let Jesus into your heart. But this man, Jesus, sat down. But friends, I believe we're just on the verge that he's going to stand up. He's about to stand up, friends. The Bible tells us that he's coming on that great white horse with 10,000 of his saints. The trumpet's about to blast. Christ is about to come. The glory is about to come. The skies are about to part. There's going to be a worldwide event. He doesn't need Sky TV. He doesn't need your internet. He doesn't need your radio waves because when God, the King of glory, comes, he's going to light up the universe and all the angels are coming with him. And friends, that could happen in an instant. It could happen before this meeting's over. It could happen before it's over. This man, the same Jesus, he's coming in the same way that he went. He's not coming to a manger. They're canceling Christmas. They're canceling nativities. They're canceling. Friends, I want to tell you, he's not coming back to a manger. He's not coming back to be a wee baby in a manger. He's coming back this time as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Bible says every knee, every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to tell you, friends. For those of us that are saved in this room, not because of any merits of ourselves. Remember, we deserve nothing, but he paid that price. But on that moment, we'll gladly bow the knee and call him Lord. I want to tell you, friend, on that day, there's going to be millions of people, millions of people, queens, kings, presidents, billionaires, all the great figures of this world are going to bow their knee to Jesus. This man. This man. I tell you, friend, I'm glad in this scene of time before he comes that I bowed the knee to Jesus and I can call him Lord and Savior. This man, the sacrifices and the foundation of the house of prayer is the precious and supreme and sufficient sacrifice that Jesus made On that cross, it's a privilege to pray. It's a privilege. You see, none of us can come 
But by blood and that blood is the precious blood of Jesus. Let me show you something very precious about this house as we're coming to close around his word. Matthew chapter 21, if you turn over, the prophecies fulfilled. When the Lord himself in his earthly ministry comes to the temple, that's the Old Testament temple. The focus point for God's people in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, God had chosen them. He had chosen Jerusalem, that that place he would put his name. But they had turned it into something completely different. And that's what man does. He changes He changes the purity of religion into something so distorted. He changes it. And friends, that's the tragedy. That's why there's so many religions in the world. That's why there's so many cults. Uh, That's why there's so many explosions of different thinking because the devil is a deceiver. He wants to deceive people. But the purity of the gospel, the power of the gospel is a wonderful thing. When a man meets Jesus, his life is changed. When a woman meets Christ, they're born of the Spirit and their life is changed. That's a wonder. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be saved? But here we see the house that he'd purposed it to be. Verse 12 in Matthew 21. Jesus went into the temple of God and he cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, overturned their tables and money changers, the seed of them that sold doves. They turned the place of God that represented him into a place of mockery. And that's, that's what religion will do. They turn the things of God into a mockery. They sell. You know, you only have to go on some of your television channels if you have them. And some of the nonsense selling this and selling that in the name of God. It's nothing to do with God. It's man. This goes back, this goes back centuries. This goes right back. You know, it was early three or four hundred Years after the death of Christ, that, that there was one famous time when, when, the, when the church had then become completely overtaken, turned apostasy, and what they were selling in the Catholic Church back then was shavings of the cross, coming by a bit, of, and there's plenty of it. I'm sure there was. They were cutting down every tree there was about them to fleece the people of their money. And then they sit with their wee relics on top of their mantelpiece as it was. They're holding on to something. Friends, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So all this religious jargon, all the religious acts, friends, nothing to do with the gospel. Here's the gospel here. He cleanses the temple. And he said unto them, quoting from Isaiah, My house shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. When he cleansed that house, this is what happened. Verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. What happened? And he healed them. Isn't it a wonderful thing? This is the, this is the gospel. You know, the Bible tells us that where the twos or threes are gathered in his name. Whose name are we gathered in tonight? We're gathered in the name of Jesus. This man. And what does he say? I will be in war. Where is he? Jesus is here tonight by his spirit. Look what happens. He cleanses the temple. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. Then he comes. Look what happens. The blind come and the lame come in the temple. What happens? He heals them. I want to tell you, friends, there's a healer in this house tonight. And his name's Jesus. He knows every person in this room. He knows every need in this house. 
He hears every cry, every broken life in this house, every person in this house. He, we heard about it this morning. Even you're sitting here tonight and your heart's as hard as, as a stone. I can tell you, friends, by the power of the Spirit of God, your heart can be melted with the love of Jesus Christ. He knows. He hears your cry. You're troubled in your mind. You have no peace tonight. You you're troubled, you're turmoil, you're in turmoil. Friends, here's the reality. He comes into his house, and the attraction in the house is Jesus. He's the attraction. If you see him through all the stuff of this world, if you get a glimpse of him, I tell you, friends, there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like him. And the blind came. The Bible tells us that without Christ, when we weren't saved, what were we? We were spiritually blind. And the lame came. We're lame. We're spiritually lame. And they came into the temple. What did he do? He healed them. Every single one of them that came, he healed them. The chief priests and the scribes, the religious people, saw the wonderful things that he did. And the children were crying in the temple. What did they say? Hosanna to the son of David. And you know what? Religious people don't like the gospel. They don't like the power of God. They don't like when God takes over. They don't like to see people not save stuff, not born again stuff. I'm telling you, I'm glad I'm born again. I'm glad I'm saved. That word saved is a precious word. I know they don't like, they like to change it all about now, come to faith and different wee things. I tell you, I'm saved tonight. Saved by the power of God. Saved, saved, saved. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. And I wasn't saved because of any religious act. Wasn't saved by any religious work. I was saved tonight when I give my heart and my life to Jesus. He saves. Not only does he save you, friends, but here's the wonderful thing. Doesn't he keep us? We can't keep ourselves, but he does keep us when we give our life to him. And so the house was filled with praise. Now to the mouth of babes and sucklings, he perfected the praise. The house of prayer. The house of praise. The house of joy, the house of healing, the house of deliverance, all in the person, Jesus Christ. It's good tonight that this house is a privilege, is a house of prayer. It's his house, and he's here, friends. And every answer and every cry of every heart can be met tonight, not in the church, not in the preacher, but in the man called Jesus. That's your answer. The man called Jesus. We're going to buy. We're going to pray tonight. Just before I do, as we buy in prayer, if there's needs in this house, you need prayer and you're here tonight. You need prayer. You need prayer. You need God to touch your life afresh. You're in this house tonight and you do need prayer. I want to pray for you. We believe in the power of prayer. Believe that God is able tonight to, to meet every need in this house. Don't we believe that? Amen. The Bible says there's nothing too hard for the Lord. But if we just come to him believing tonight, he's more than able to touch your life and change it. If you do need prayer tonight, maybe you come in and you're down in spirit. Maybe you come in, as we heard this morning, troubled. Maybe you come in just with the weight of the world upon your shoulders. Maybe you come in tonight sick, concerned. Maybe you come in tonight unsaved. Maybe you come in tonight empty. I want to tell you, friends, this is a house of prayer. And it's that sacrifice, that blood, and that person, Jesus, he's more than enough tonight.